0: for the word of the Lord for today. I want to talk to you uh, about what a passage of scripture that I believe most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with. And it's my prayer that today with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can bring some fresh insight into this Portion of Scripture. So, if you uh, have your Bible handy, uh, let's open it up there to the Book of Exodus. We're going to look at Chapter 14 in a moment. But let me set up uh, the scene so you know what was taking place. God has brought about a great deliverance for the the people of God, the children of Israel. He, through His miraculous acts, have caused Pharaoh to let the people of God go to free them from their bondage in Egypt. And now they have begun their journey to the promised land, to that which God had promised, the place he God promised he would bring them. So I want to pick up now the account in Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read the first four verses, and then we're going to drop down to verse 10. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses: Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused; they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Now, As Pharaoh begins to chase them, I'm dropping down to verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this uh, would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just Stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and they will know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Father, we come before you now, and as always, we humble ourselves and say, God, I have nothing to offer the people I'm but a mere servant, oh God, a messenger that you have raised up to deliver the word that you have put in my heart. So I trust now for the help of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide every word that I say. And I ask, Father, as always, that you would give all of us an ear to hear what your spirit wants to say to us today. And I thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's recap what we've just read. God is leading the people on this journey to the promised land. And he instructs Moses, the leader of God's people, to take a very specific path, a path that would hand them in, if you will, where the sea was behind them and there was no other route to the left or to the right and to camp there. In other words, to literally stop and wait there. And then he told him that Pharaoh, whom, whose heart he would harden, would realize he made a mistake in letting the people of God go. So Pharaoh would get his army and he would begin chasing them. But that God had a plan for all this. And his plan was to deliver the people of God in such a way so that he would get great glory and that the people of God would be in awe of him. And so Moses does this, Pharaoh is chasing them. And as we read, as the people of God look up and see Pharaoh and all his chariots coming full speed at them now, they panic, they're terrified of of what's going to happen now. And they realize they were hemmed in. There was no place for them to turn. This was a real crisis for the nation of Israel, God's people. But God had a plan for their crisis. And his plan was to create a miraculous pathway, a pathway through the Red Sea. In other words, he was going to do something that would leave no doubt as to who he is and the power, the awesome power that he can display for his people. He would do something that would cause all of his people to not only be in awe of him in that moment, but it would serve future generations. That generation and other generation would always have that recorded to recognize that whenever they find themselves in a crisis in the future, it would be a situation that they would know would never be impossible for their God. Now, let me talk to you about what that means for us here today. Historically, we know what happened, why God did that, but as always, the Word of God is written for us today, and it's relevant for us today, so we always want to look at how do we connect this to us? Let me begin with this. Here's the question for today for all of us to, 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 to ponder. Are you part of the people of God? Are we part of God's people? Now, in order to, to say yes to that question, let's remember that there was a specific way for the children of Israel to be part of the people of God. They had to follow the, 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 the right of circumcision for the men. They, they had to be born in the house of Israel and they had to follow the guidelines established by the Lord. That was the mark put upon them, the separation as the people of God. Now for you and I today to be part of the people of God, to, to be able to call ourselves Christians is much more than being part of some religious organization. It's about understanding that God loves us and that because of the sin factor that we all are born with, God wanted to make a way so that he can put away our sin. He could forgive our sin so that we can become part of the people of God. And that way was established through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross of Calvary so that your sin and my sin could be forgiven. And so that we would have an opportunity having not only gained forgiveness of sin, but then we can embrace Christ as our savior and be filled with God's spirit. The seal that we are the people of God is not attendance or participation in some religious assembly. It is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And you only receive the indwelling of the Spirit of God when you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and you make the decision, I am going to be a, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, then We, as part of the people of God, embark on this spiritual journey to the promised land. Now, what's our promised land? Our promised land is the final destination, if you will, of the people of God, and that is eternity with God in heaven. That's the promised land. There is no promised land here on this earth, so we should never be looking for that. God has never promised us that we're going to have this place flowing with milk and honey here physically on this earth. No, the promised land is a spiritual destination. It is eternity surrounded by all the other people of God gathered around the throne of grace, worshiping our Lord and Savior forever and ever. That is the promised land for you and I when we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, there, between that moment and embracing Christ as our Savior, now we begin, as it were, this spiritual journey toward the promised land. And sometimes part of that journey will involve the Lord leading you, listen to me now, because this is the part that sometimes we struggle with as the people of God. Part of that spiritual journey is that there are times where God will intentionally lead you into a crisis. He will lead you into a situation where uh, by all human standards is impossible for you to survive. In other words, there are times where God orchestrates your life and my life where we find ourselves where there is no human solution to the crisis that we find ourselves in. It's a place where we need God to create a miraculous pathway in order to survive. What am I talking about? There are times where you look in the book of Job, right? Job was a righteous man. He was not leading a sinful life. In fact, in those days, by the, by the standard given at that moment, he was a very righteous man who sought after God, who wanted to make sure not only he but his whole family served God in a righteous fashion. But yet God allowed Satan to bring all kind of destruction into his life that brought a crisis about, uh, of faith, if you will, in that moment where he finds himself dealing with illness. He finds himself dealing with loss. He finds himself in a financial problem, a crisis. All of these things enveloped Joe at one time. And there are times when we can find ourselves with, in, in an illness that there's no cure for, that doctors have no answer for. We know that we're in the current pandemic which now the new estimate in America is that by March over a half a million Americans will have lost their lives. Surely we are in a crisis moment physically. There's financial crisis where you can make decisions that are right and still have everything go wrong. Where you can be led by God to do something and find yourself in a place where financially, you don't know how you're going to make it. As many right now find themselves in because of this situation. My wife and I were watching a program yesterday where, where not just here in America, but all around the world, people are in financial crisis. They don't even know where their next meal is coming from, let alone how to pay bills or rent, etc. You can find yourself in a crisis where relationships have been torn apart with no possible way of being mended. And even though you've led an obedient life, this crisis has come upon you nonetheless. And right now, like the children of Israel, you might find yourself in a panic, panic terrified if you are wondering how am i going to make it how am i going to get through this situation how am i how's my family going to make it? it will this situation ever resolve itself i don't see a way out that's the crisis that you find yourself in and i want you to know today i want you to listen closely today god has a plan for your crisis god has a plan For your crisis, he has a plan to deliver you. He has a plan that's going to create this miraculous pathway, if you will, where he will do something that in this very moment you cannot imagine could even happen a miraculous pathway. I've titled this message today that God has given me, A Miraculous Pathway. And I want to highlight three things about A Miraculous Pathway that I hope will encourage you and strengthen you spiritually this morning. The first thing about A Miraculous Pathway is that the Lord will be your rear guard. Now, what that means is notice that for the children of Israel, when God told them to go through the, the Red Sea, the, the pillar of, of fire and the cloud that led them moved through the rear. And so that they were in that place where uh, the, 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 Israel, the Egyptians, excuse me, could not catch up to them, uh, because the, they were separated between Egypt and God's people. God stood in that gap and would not allow the Egyptians to catch up to them all that night. What that encourages me with and what I hope it encourages you with is that though you may find yourself in a crisis, I want you to know that God will be your rear guard, which means that God will set limits on the enemy's attack in your most vulnerable place. God knows what you and I can bear and he will not allow the adversary to go beyond that point. Now, here's the other thing I find interesting, a thought that came to my heart, that the pillar of fire and the cloud was not just there to protect the children of God from the investment of the enemy and his attack, but it was also there, listen, to prevent the children of Israel from surrendering. In other words, what God was saying is, you gotta go forward, there is no turning back. God cut off the retreat so they didn't have that opportunity to surrender and think, well, if I just give up, it'll all be easier. No, no, no. God cut that off. And I would submit to you that God uh, not only will be your rear guard to protect you, but also God is there to encourage you, to motivate you, to let you know there is no turning back. You are at that place where you said yes to me. You're going to follow me. And I don't want you to give in because you find yourself in a crisis. Sometimes God does things so that we have no choice but to trust him and him alone. So about this miraculous pathway, that's the first thought. The Lord will be your rear guard. Here's the second one. It may take some time for your miraculous pathway to to open up and be created. It may take some time. Notice that the pathway for the children of Israel took all night. The east wind had to blow all night, separating the waters, drying out the pathway. That took all night. Now, it wasn't that God couldn't do that in an instant. He's all powerful. He can do whatever He wants in a moment. At a blink of an eye, God could have done all of that. But in this moment, God decided that it would be a process that they had to go through. Some miraculous pathways that God opens up are instantaneously. There are such things as instantaneous miracles, instantaneous healings, instantaneous provisions. But there are some that are processed. You can go home and read. Uh, if you might, you might be already home, but you might read later on Mark chapter 8. And in there, there's a man that was blind that was brought to Jesus. And it took two touches from Jesus to heal him. Now, could have the Lord healed him in one touch? Of course, he's God. But it, the, the healing came, the total healing came After two touches. In other words, there was a process to his miracle. And so I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you at this moment that God is your rear guard. And he is going to create a miraculous pathway for you. He is going to make a way that is going to be so awesome that you are going to be in awe of God's power. But it may take some time. It may not happen instantaneously. So don't be discouraged. Don't give up. In fact, here's a third point. It will require you to walk in faith. It will require you to walk in faith. Remember, God told them to walk through the pathway. I want to read to you from the 77th Psalm verses 16 to 20, for those of you who are taking note, that references that night at the Red Sea. It gives us a little insight into, a little window, if you will, as to some of the other things that were going on. So uh, Psalm 77, verse 16, listen. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, the waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to his very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled into the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Uh, Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway, listen, no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. So let's use our sanctified imaginations and go back to that night where we see now God is causing this tremendous east wind to blow to begin separating the waters and drying out uh, the seabed. But that wasn't the only thing that was happening. For the Bible now is telling us that there was an incredible storm that was raging that night. There there was uh, the lightning that was lighting up the sky. There was thunder. There was uh, the shaking of the earth, earthquake. There was all kind of physical phenomena happening on this night. And I don't know about you, but you, have you ever been out at nighttime when you have storms like this, where there's a, a, a tremendous wind blowing, there's rain, there's lightning, there's thunder. Nobody wants to be out in that. And yet that's where they find themselves in. And all of this was going on in addition to this tremendous wall of water. And God is telling them, go ahead and walk through. It was an exercise of faith, you see, with all of these Physically scary elements all around them. They had to walk through this miraculous pathway. And did you pick up the psalmist where well, they walked through a pathway that nobody knew was there, but God? Listen to me. There is a miraculous pathway that God is preparing for your crisis, and you don't know who is there. Nobody else knows is there. But God already has it mapped out. God already has a miraculous pathway provided for you in your crisis. And even though you don't know it's there, God has already prepared that way. But it's going to require steps of faith on your part and my part. That when you obey that, is when you will come through on the other side, which the children of Israel did. I remember so many years ago in New York, we were in the middle of renovation of the building that God had provided for us. It was a difficult renovation because our financial resources were very, very limited. And we got to a point where we ran out of money. And we still had a very important piece of renovation to do, which would take over $10,000 to do, but we had no money. And Pastor Derso the senior pastor in New York at the church I attended, I was his associate. He came in and he told me, Carlos, I have sought God. And God is telling us we need to go ahead and trust him for the finances, so go tell the contractor to do what they need to do. I wish I could tell you I was such a man of faith that I was right there with him, but I took one look at him and said, Pastor, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, we have no money. How are we going to meet these? Shouldn't we wait? You see, I was also the church treasurer, so I knew very well the financial uh, situation that we were in. And he told me, Carlos, we need to trust the Lord. Well, called the contractor. They did the work. And a few days later, they're looking to get paid. And I'm looking at the pastor in his office and said, we have no money. What are we going to do? He said, I have to trust that what God told me is going to take place that God's going to provide. We found ourselves, like I said, in a financial crisis and he went out to lunch. He was called by a man that used to be part of our church. He had retired and left uh, and he'd been gone for a couple of years. And suddenly he just called Pastor Durstall and said, can we have some lunch? So Pastor Durstall went out to lunch. I stayed in the office and I'm saying, how could he be eating at this time? We got no money we got to pay these bills and we're in trouble. And yet he's eating. This is, I'm I'm being very transparent. This is all going into this heart of this great man of God. So uh, Pastor Durstall returned back from lunch and I said, Pastor, what are we going to do? And he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to deposit this check and then we're going to pay the bills. And he hands me a check that this brother had given him at lunch. told them, God told me to give you this money. And it was more than enough to pay the 10,000 plus that we had in bills. And I looked at him as I looked at this check and I got to tell you, I felt about this tall spiritually. And I admired him so much because he didn't allow the crisis to shake his faith. I wish I could tell you I learned from that, but I don't learn so easily sometimes. There was a season where we, we partnered with a missionary in Haiti. Her name is or was Eleanor Workman. She's gone home to be with the Lord. But she was a tremendous woman of God. She ran an orphanage with over a hundred children. She had conferences twice a year where she invited over a thousand people to attend her conference and she did it all by faith. She did not look and call people up and ask for money. She trusted God 100%. I would go down during these conferences and oversee the preaching and the teaching that would go on with some of the pastors that would attend. And right before the conference was scheduled to start, we had a thousand people already in the compound. And she always had a prayer hour at five in the morning. And I'm talking about five in the morning. You can't even, there's no light. The sun hasn't come up. They never put lights on in the church. So you praying in the dark, literally you can't see that your hand in front of you and we're praying. And then after that hour of prayer at six o'clock, the sun is just starting to come up. She comes up to me. She goes, I need you to come with mama for a few moments. That's everybody called her mama. So we went up to her uh, room, which was on top of the roof of the orphanage. And she goes, you have to pray with mama. Mama has no money to do breakfast for these thousand people. And I looked at her, okay, because we we have to pray because God has to provide this money for breakfast. So we began praying and we had not prayed five minutes. And her prayer was totally different than my prayer. My prayer was, oh God, where are we going to do, God? Her prayer was, Lord, you told me to do this, so you have to provide. It's on you, God. So full of faith. And as we began praying, all of a sudden we heard a honking car at the door and in drives a pastor from another state who had come down for the conference. And he finds out where we're at. He comes up and he said, Mama, Before I left, God told me to give you this money. And it was thousands of dollars that would cover breakfast for everybody. She said, thank you, brother, for obeying the Lord. She just turns to one of her uh, uh, workers and said, here, go get breakfast for everybody. Thank you, Jesus. You are faithful to everything you promised to do. And I just sat there and I, I felt, God, I don't know you like that woman knows you. When I get into a crisis, I get like the children of Israel. I begin to panic. I begin to wonder, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do about that? How are we going to make this thing meet? But God sometimes creates a crisis where you don't have an answer for. Where the only thing you have is to trust him. Because he will make a miraculous pathway through your crisis. Worship team, if you would come, please. We're talking this morning about a miraculous pathway. The children of Israel got all the way through on the other side, and they began to worship and celebrate and praise the Lord, who not only got them through, but also destroyed their adversary. Let me remind you and recap about my points. You find yourself in a crisis today. Listen, the Lord will be your rear guard. He will watch over and protect you to the measure that he will not allow you to be broken. He knows the limitations of what you can bear. You have to trust him on that, that he will go, allow the enemy to go only so far in your crisis. Your pathway may take time to unfold. It may not happen in this moment that we're going to about close as we pray. It may not be instantaneous, but you have to trust that God has a plan for your crisis. And it will require you to walk by faith, to believe that as God directs you, if you follow that direction, even though your senses may be telling you that it's crazy to do, But if you follow and obey him, you will find yourself on the other side of that crisis. Praising the Lord for his awesome power.